Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Great start already. <laughs> Toby forgot what he signed up for. Uh... Go ahead, David. Put me down. That won't change the fact that it's 202 to 96. <laughs> I'm ready. Keep going. Welcome in, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. If you're looking for fantasy baseball content and some giggles, then, man, we're here to do it for you. D-Mendy here. I'm in your ear. Joined by Little Cheesecake DLC and the Doc. How's it going, fellas? Are we going to talk about you guys playing each other in fantasy baseball this week at all? I just want to, you know... It's good to put in context, you know, the advice we're giving. David and Eric, you guys are against each other. How's that going? No comment. Uh, in a points league, I'm whooping, David, 201 <laughs> to 96. Honorable mention to the yummy line that Frankie Montes had. Nine earned in 1.2 innings, negative 27. Yeah, baby! David, yeah, you deserve that. Negative 27 from Montas, negative 10 from Joe Jimenez, negative 12 from Andrew Miller, negative 10 from Rafael Montero. And you can't come back from that. It, it's The gods don't want me to win, but you know what? Who won last year in the playoffs and got a championship out of it? This guy. So, Flags fly forever. Flags fly forever. That's how I look uh, at it. David, you are someone that lives in the past. Uh we are a progressive nation, so sorry, I don't remember what happened last year. Well, let's talk about something else before we get into it. Eric, are you excited for uh, our first double date in a long time this weekend? Oh my gosh. <laughs> David's more excited for the fact that I'm dating someone than he is. <laughs> it, we, had the, we had a dynamic going. We had the married man, we had the in relationship, and now I'm engaged, and then you were the bachelor. You're losing the bachelor status. All right, I'll have to shed it so I can have the status for the show. <laughs> All women so, can still slide in my DMs. Not oh gosh, yet. zero DMs any later. Anyway, so on deck today we have in season strategies part two. In the second episode of this series, we're going to be looking at strategies and plans of attack you need to make with current problems you may be facing in this 2020 fantasy season. And we're not going to do it with anybody else, but none other than Toby, a.k.a. Batflip Crazy, because he did the first one with us, brought him back again, and he's waiting in the hole. After we do that, we go to our bullpen for the question of the week, which current big league player has the best facial hair, and then our mystery game coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. (laughs) 
News and notes. Mets today, actually, pretty quickly, or pretty much right before we came on the show, came out and said they had a couple tests positive for COVID-19. Art, I saw you reading up about it. You said it's localized, which sounds like it's under control. That's what it looks like right now. They've they've had all the rest of. There's one uh, coach or team uh, team official and one player who stayed behind in Miami, and the rest of the players went back to New York. So it looks like they think it's been localized, which is a, a good sign. Good. So then let's let's move on. Then I don't know if you guys saw this story. So maybe it was you guys just didn't pay attention or not. But uh, I think Fernando Tatis hit a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch up 10 to three. And now I can't seem to find anywhere where it's not being talked about. So, Art, did Tatis Jr. break baseball's unwritten rules? Uh, It depends on who you ask. Um, Baseball's unwritten rules, I think, are are more myth than anything. The only time you ever hear about them is when somebody's feelings get hurt. Well, I don't like what what was the problem with what he did? Is he padding his stats? Juan Nicasio, the pitcher. He's been in the major leagues for 10 years. Do you think he's like, oh, man, he shouldn't have swung at that meat pitch that I threw right down the middle? No. I think it's nonsense. It's always catchers, too. Catchers are like the judges. Like, they're going to – like, you, you you show up their pitcher, so they're going to talk to you as you walk down the first baseline. Like, uh, A.J. Pierzynski, uh, Brian McCann, these guys are always the ones going, oh, man, they – they really hurt my feelings by swinging at that 3-0 pitch. Come on, guys. How, how come – and, like, the managers are in, on board with this. These people have played sports their entire lives. Everybody loses big. Everybody has days where it's not going right. Don't swing at a 3-0 pitch when we're down. It's not fair. Are you serious? Grow up. Grow a pair. That's all I'll say. Any day I can get Art to do a voice is a win for me. Eric, you echo the same sentiments. Yeah, and what I was going to say, too, is in a 60-game season, one home run, four RBIs, a run, and slight bump to the batting average, that could literally be the difference between him winning MVP or not. And then you talk about incentives in his contract and what he's going to be able to get if he ever goes to arbitration or when he wants a free agency deal. I mean, if he gets an MVP this young, he's going to be able to command so much more value. So, you know, why would you do that? It's a 3-1 down the middle or 3-0 down the middle, then it's 3-1, and then you don't have the the position that you did before. You keep playing Fernando Tatis, even though you're never going to hear this. Yeah, it's interesting. The one thing I'll just add, I heard Tim Kirshen say this the other day about Torrey Hunter. He said he asked Torrey Hunter about this, and he said apparently Torrey Hunter – quote is that he would have been scared for his life at the next at bat if he had did this 10 years ago so it, i think it's just an interesting just baseball has progressed so much over time with the day and age of social media and everybody backing publicly backing fernando tatis but 10 years ago this would have been showing up the pitcher who would have gotten beamed your next at bat and you would be seen as just being scolding like you're not supposed to do that but today's day people want people to watch baseball like let's not let's not fool ourselves. The Juan Sotos, the Fernando Tatis Juniors, the Ronald Acuna's, these guys that have these these personalities, people want them to flex them, and they want them to bring life into the game of baseball. And it's it's a totally different game than ten years ago. So I think uh, many people are are welcoming this, and I don't think anybody should be giving Fernando Tatis 
near a hard time. Next bit of news, a pair of high-end prospects faced off against each other yesterday. Tigers' top pitching prospect, Casey Mized, faced off against the White Sox top pitching prospect, Dane Dunning. Eric, did you like what you saw from these two young studs? Yeah, I and um, it's interesting because Dane Dunning is the last piece of the Adam Eaton trade where the Nationals sent Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez. So I, I've been waiting for him to come up. Uh, they both pitched four and a third innings. Uh, they both had seven Ks. Um, both looked like they had good command. Uh, Dunning had 17 swinging strikes and 44 out of his 73 pitches were strikes. Casey Mize had some good movement. Uh, he learned from his at-bat of Encarnacio homering and changed his pitch mix. Um, so hopefully, you know, these are two names in baseball that are going to be here for years. Art, did you like the nastiness that you saw from these two young gentlemen? I mean, I I think that Dunning really benefited. I don't think the Tigers are providing a lot of problems for people lately. Um, I I mean, I I like both of them. I'm looking to get both of them. Um, I don't know what to expect from now on. I really have a hard time with prospects because I feel like their performance is always inconsistent. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get them just in case because they. They perform well. The moment wasn't too big for them, and that's always a good sign for a young pitcher. Yeah, I, I was looking up a little bit about Casey Mize's start in particular. No walks, seven Ks, and just under five innings, and his splitter was legit, even though it was left up a little bit in the last inning. And he's a former number one pick, and he's if you remember seeing how much he was dominating the minors, I kind of like the what the Tigers are doing there. They have um, Matt Manning, and they have – uh, Casey Mize, and they, they just have a lot of great young players coming into that organization. So, and then and, and, um, Tariq Screwball, Screwball, I just, I like what they're doing there. As a Twins fan, it sucks when you see the White Sox with all this young talent, you see the Tigers with all this young talent, you know they're coming at some point, but he looks good. He looks good. I, I think he, he'll be a staple in that rotation for a long time. Looks better than Matthew Boyd. True dad. Cincinnati Reds suspended broadcaster Tom Brenneman for his use of an anti-gay slur indefinitely. Albert Pujols moved up to second all-time on MLB's RBI list, tying a at 2086. And Jordan Alvarez is set to undergo season-ending knee surgery. Eric, if you're in a dynasty league, are you nervous about the value of Mr. Alvarez from here on out? Yeah, and I know that this is a different sport, but I think of athletes – like Tracy McGrady and Brandon Roy, two relatively dominant athletes who had degenerative knee issues. And I think even though baseball is different, unless he DHs full time, I mean, you're still, he's still going to have to work out. The fact that he's having issues at 23 in, in a part of his body where he's going to need so much usage of it, I am a little concerned. Art, if you have Jordan Alvarez in a dynasty league, are you trying to trade him or are you going to just hold on to him and just hope his value goes up? I think there's a there's two ways to look at it. I, I think his injury is a uh, is a partial tear to his patella tendon. I, I don't know a lot of baseball players who have this injury. It happens actually quite frequently in the NBA. And NBA athletes, generally their first season back, is kind of a recovery year. They're not really back until two seasons afterwards. <clears throat> so I think if you have two years to wait on him in your dynasty, then 
I would hold on to him because he is young and he showed such promise. So I think he's going to be given another opportunity. And it's his right knee. It's not his like power leg. So that's always good for a knee injury on a, on a, on a DH. Um, so it's his landing leg, which isn't, you know, obviously not ideal, but the power leg, you don't want there to be knee problems. I think, um, when you see someone like Tiger Woods, whose knee problem really affected the power in his swing, it was on his power leg that really had all that torque that was causing the problem. So I, I, I do look at that, but I think next year you can't really look at him and be, to be, uh, who you thought he was going to be, uh, before then. So I would, I would try to trade him if I was, if I was in any sort of competing window, but if I'm, if I can wait a few years, then I would, um, I, I, I was hoping actually, I'm glad you brought up Tom Brenneman. Um, Tom Brenneman was the Cubs broadcaster when I was a kid and I grew up listening to him and I loved hearing him call games. I was just listening to a Reds game recently and I thought, you know, this is, this is, this guy's the best there is at calling a baseball game. And I just love him at, at that. Uh, it's very disappointing to, to hear him say that, uh, what he said, uh, it shows, you know, you don't know, you spend all this time with these people. You think that you feel like you know them, you feel like they're a good person, but you don't really know them. Um, and you don't know what's really in their heart. And it's just disappointing because I, I really, really loved hearing him call a game. That's all. Well said. Uh, you hear his voice. His voice is iconic. Like you're, you're like, I, you're like, oh yeah, I know that voice. But you're, you, some people are not sure who it is. And then you realize you're like, yeah, like that. That's a great baseball voice. But it's sad because you, you hear something that he said when people he didn't think he was on camera. Mm-hmm. And to me, that kind of shows who someone really is. If you're, if they're talking and they're not think they're being seen in the public eye. So. You know, you never know if this was his last time you'll hear his voice. Um, you know, if, if it is, then, you know, hopefully he can learn from this and, and grow as a person. If it isn't, hopefully he still grows as a person. But I I, I would hope he would just just be better. Just be better. Mm-hmm. You know better than that. Everybody knows better than that. You just can't top anything you said, Art. So let me ask you this. Do you enjoy hearing Eric talk about girls sliding in his DMs? <laughs> Do you enjoy hearing Art talking in his many funny voices? Well, if you're enjoying the content, how about you go and you give this show a listen anywhere you get your podcasts? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show if you're enjoying the triple play variety. You can also find anywhere you can get your podcasts. How about making podcasts great again and leaving us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides the occasional good question, annoying gif, and of course, our weekly episode drops. Don't be like Chris Woodward and be a whiner and a downer. Listen to the Fernando Tatis Juniors of podcasts. Hit a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch by listening to us now. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And now, back with Crazy. Welcome in a reoccurring guest and now friend of the pod. He's a JT Real Muto purist, 
a savage in the NFBC main event, and is a master of all things s'mores. You know fantasy baseball, you definitely know this cat. He's across various podcasts such as his own, Bubba and the Blackflip, and more. My man, Toby, also known as Batflip Crazy. How's it going, my man? Wow, that was quite an intro. I, <laughs> I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm, uh, I feel honored to be an official friend of the pod and reoccurring guest. Um, and while I, I am doing fairly well in the main event, I will say that um, I was doing a lot better a couple weeks ago. And I guess I, I mentioned in the intro, regression comes for us all, right? And so I think I'm, I think I'm regressing to my true talent level uh, in, in a lot of my leagues right now. But um, yeah, it's awesome to be back. I had a blast the first time I was on. Um, so it's awesome to be, be on with all of you guys and especially little cheesecake uh, up there in the top, the top left corner. Um, huge fan. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I just uh, I just want to say, um, especially if you like slipped in like an Oreo in between little and cheesecake, you know, like, that, might, cheesecake. that might help me out or maybe like peanut Reese's peanut butter cups or something like that. I, don't I mean, know. it it is my rap name. And, um, you know, I the album drop date keeps getting pushed back, but you want it to be perfect before you drop it. You know, that's oh. that's the thing, you know. Absolutely. You know, one of the reasons why I came back on the podcast is because this you guys strive for perfection with each one of your Absolutely. shows. Absolutely. And um, there's, there's nothing I respect more um, than striving for perfection. Well, Toby, it's funny because you are our first reoccurring guest. And since you're now that you've been on 6% of all our shows, you are now officially a friend of the pod. Oh, wow. 6%. I want to cut, cut, cut of the profits at this point. I mean, come on, guys. Like. That's what I'm in it for. I'm in it for the. I'm in it for the money. So. Hey, you know what? We might have to send. We just got these in today. We just got our triple oh, play nice. shirts in today. So we might have to send well, you one. Well, if over. I had known, I would have worn them. I got my own. You know. Oh yeah. Right. There's only one nice. in the world, though. There's only one love, in the world. I got it. I as love a, as the a Will Myers and Chill shirt. Was that? I. I you know. Will Myers and Chill. I I feel really bad because I actually haven't ordered one of those because they don't have the premium T-shirt in a in a in a large in an adult large in the brown. Um, but yeah, I definitely got to do that because the guy who put that together so quickly when I like kind of just threw that out, I told him I'd buy one. So that's definitely on my list. I will get that. Um, you know, who knows? Will Myers is coming up soon, so maybe he's going to hit a home run for us on the pod. I mean, that would be absolutely incredible, right, guys? That'd be oh, I think it's happening. It's, it's out there now. It's going to happen. He's up right now. But Eric Hosmer hit a grand slam, unfortunately. Really? So, <laughs> so Will Myers can't hit a grand slam. But we'll take a home run. We'll take a home run. Um, apologies to all of you guys who are, who are starting uh, um, uh, whatever his name is, Kyle Gibson. Uh, oh, that's a oh, bummer. He oh, was kind wow. of pitching pretty well. So, the, um, yeah, he was. It's funny because Twins fans called him Meow Mix because he would just throw a bunch of cat food out there when he pitched. <laughs> you know, he's one of those guys where it's like every year there's some new reason to love him, but he always ends up being the same guy every year, which is like mm-hmm. a low four ZRA with like a one three one three five whip. You know, um, the Rangers have been able to do some special things with pitchers recently, though. I mean, they've been able to turn guys around, and so. The hope is that maybe they were doing that. Hosmer's on, you know, he's kind of just come out of nowhere and, and uh, well, not nowhere, but just a lot of the changes. I mean, I was looking at some of the changes last night, actually, and they're just so dramatic. I mean, ground ball rate down by by 20%, I think. His contact rate is way up. Like, 
everything is just kind of off the charts for him. So kudos to him for making those changes in the off season. I'm sure there will be some regression naturally that will kind of come into play. Um, but you know, what can you do? Yeah, no, I'm going to try to move out of, out of the way of my own like name here. Like this, just keep on like, <laughs> like cheesecake. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and, see, that's, that's the cool side of the pot. Eric and I are just are just bland. Yeah, like no, cool you guys table. are you're all you're all special people. I'll, I'll oh, put the talk on there next time. <laughs> <laughs> well. This is good because it's, it's getting right to our topic. And it's the last time you were on, we talked about in-season strategies, but we were out of season at that point. So now we can actually talk about in-season strategies based on this year, a little bit more in depth. And these are going to be problems that you might be facing currently, whether you play in a league like the NFBC or just some leagues with friends. And so you can figure out what you want to do with these players and situations. And the first one I have listed here is boneheads. Thy name is Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak. Currently being talked about as trade candidates, Adam Plutko came out in a post-conference basically criticizing everything they've been doing. Oliver Perez came out and said he would leave the team if they were going to come back. I haven't heard anything, at least me specifically, I haven't heard anything about them returning specifically anytime soon. Uh, if they're out an extended period of time, what do you think you're going to do with them in redraft leagues? And then what are you going to do with them in leagues like the NFBC? So, Toby, I'll start with you. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And Oliver Perez just pitched a clean seventh inning, you know, helping to, to keep uh, Shane Bieber's chance at getting a W alive. So I'm, I'm a big fan of his. No, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're jerks, right? Like, like what they did was, um, you know, it's kind of, it's just remarkable uh, the level of selfishness involved, especially knowing like that you have a teammate who, battled leukemia last year. That's a cancer survivor. Like just, you know, I think it's really hard to regain that trust. Um, you know, in, in my leagues, I have Clevenger in a couple places. I unfortunately don't have police stack anyway, or at least unfortunately based on how he was pitching initially, you know, I know that after, I think it was something like after 10 days, there was something about 10 days they could come back or something like that. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really important marker. So if, if it's beyond 10 days and they're still not back and again, they're bringing up Mackenzie Gore. Right. And so, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 there may be no coming back from this um, for them, at least this year, you know, in this shortened season, uh, the trust was clearly lost. And I think it's pretty clear from everything that came out of that. So I'm going to see if they're scheduled to go at any point in next week. But if we come to Sunday, you know, and they're not there, I think a lot of it is just, and, and this is going to be kind of a cop-out answer, but I think so much of everything is contextual, right? It's contextual within your team, it's contextual within your needs, right? So if you're stacked at starting pitching and you don't necessarily, like everybody needs a Clevenger or, or even a Plesak, but if they're not guys that you absolutely need, you know, then then I think it makes it easier to move on. Like if you're, I'm in a couple of leagues where I'm down big in strikeouts. Like I had one league where I, I started Verlander Strasburg, right? So I've had literally like wow. 4.1 innings and I don't even start, start Strasburg Strasburg that week because, you know, it kind of came up middle of the week that he was going to pitch then. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in that type of league, then I may be more likely to hold him. But again, it depends on what the options are that are available on the waiver wire. Again, Clevenger wasn't pitching great. You know, he wasn't pitching that well. Plesak was actually a much better pitcher so far this year. Um, and so Clevenger really hasn't regained the, the velocity that he had kind of early and middle of last season. 
So again, I think it's all contextual. Like look at your team, look at your own needs as a team, look at what's on the waiver wire and make the best decision. And the fact of the matter is, is if they're not pitching next week, like after next week, next week ends, God, what is it like September 1st, September 2nd? I mean, we're looking at four weeks left, right? At that point in time, we have four weeks left. And so, you know, if you know that they're going to be missing one out of the next, out of the last five weeks, I think it's okay to kind of cut bait unless you're really desperate for what they can provide. Um, Because again, if I was on that Indians team, you know, there are some things that really are more important than winning. And I think it sends a very clear message, not only to the team, but just in general to the broader world about like how serious we need to take, um, you know, what's happening. And so um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're, if they're out for the rest of the year and it benefits them financially too, because Clevenger misses a year of eligibility and so does Plesak. So anyways, that was a really long, way of saying like I think it's all contextual but I don't think it's a problem to move on from them at this point and it really sucks for someone like Zach Plesak who if you look at his I mean he was tops in exit velocity XCRA uh, K percentage whiff percentage all his numbers are extremely great for the the 2020 MLB percentile rankings and it looked like he really turned a corner he was doing a a 35 percent fastball 26 percent slider 24 percent changeup it looked like he really had kind of utilized a really good pitch mix that was getting him successful. And you could see in the results and it's like, Hey, it's like he, he might've hurt himself a chance of, of, you know, this is going to put a damper on kind of the breakout season that we could have seen. From him. So um, it's just very interesting. And, and yeah, you have to wonder have they both pitched their last game for the Indians because can they come back in that locker room at any point after what's been publicly said from teammates? So um, Art, jump in. What do you think about all this? Well, um, the GM, Chris Antonetti and T- uh, Terry Francona and the pre- team president all met and they came out and they said publicly, we are going to do what we think will feel the best team for us to win the World Series. And to me, that means you, you get your best pitchers. I think they're, um, they're eligible actually August 24th, Monday. That's when they're eligible to come back. I, I think if I'm sitting there and I'm setting my lineups and I haven't heard anything, but they might. Monday, they're eligible, so they might pitch next week. I think I got to put them in the lineup, uh, just you know, just in case because they're. I mean, they're they're really good pitchers. I mean, I I had I had actually I still have obviously Clevenger above Plesac, even though Plesac's been out pitching him. Uh, but I I guess if I had to choose one or the other, I I'd, I'd take Clevenger over Plesac just because of his um, history. Um, but I I. I think I would be playing them next week. Eric, what do you think? Anything else you want to add for that? Yeah, well, I think it, like Toby said, it's contextual. If you need a win, I think you trade them. I, I think in redraft leagues, it's six weeks. And if you're two and one or one and two, you need to get some value for them. I think there's a very real chance they don't pitch again this year, or at least for a while. And if they do, they might need to build their arm back up. We just saw Jack Flaherty was off two weeks. And the Cardinals pulled them after 41 pitches. And especially if the Indians are in, a, are in a position to make a postseason run, they're definitely going to want to build their arms up for an important game. Uh, so I'll just say get any value you can from them, unless you're 3-0 and can afford to hold on. Um, just better safe than sorry. It, it sucks what happened. You're probably not going to get what the value for nearly drafted them for. But, you know, if they end up not playing, at least you get something. Yeah, I think we're all on the same page for that. 
So let's let's move on to the next topic here, and that's the the teams that have been affected by COVID so far severely with their games, and that's the Cardinals and the Marlins. I, I was going to put the Reds in here, but they only missed a couple days. Um, but going forward, they're going to be attempting to make up a lot of these games that they've missed, a lot of doubleheaders, a lot of games, uh, a lot of games and not a lot of days. So, Art, if you're looking at the waiver wire, the free agent wire, are you going to try to pick up more Cardinals that might kind of be fringy rostered? I'm looking at like the Tyler O'Neills, the Matt Carpenters, the Colton Wongs, or if you're looking at the Marlins, maybe like a Corey Dickerson or someone on their pitching staff. Are you looking to try to pick up some of those uh, those players just so that you can get some more uh, games from those guys in a short amount of time? Uh, I'm I want I want the guys who are actually doing well for those teams right now. Um, Carpenter is actually starting to heat up, so I really like how he's done for the past week. He hit a home run, just a, a hit a home run against the Cubs. I think it was a grand slam the other day. Um, and Colton Wong has started out ice cold, but he started to heat up. Obviously, playing the Cubs is really good for the Cardinals. Um, those are the two guys, Colton Wong and, and, and Matt Carpenter on the Cardinals, who I have interest in who are not like already on a roster like Goldschmidt. I think I, the Marlins are pretty intriguing. I think Cervelli is putting in a pretty good uh, second catcher type season. He's really hitting well. And they have a guy named Magnaris Sierra who has four stolen bases already. Uh, these guys, I think they're, you know, Cervelli is going to need to play more because they're going to be playing all these games. Good second catcher ad and Sierra. If you need some speed, yeah, they named the statistic after him. <laughs> Sierra, that's, yeah. a, that's like a dad joke, even though I'm not a dad. But Eric, <laughs> go ahead and jump in. Yeah, well, last time we talked about uh, season strategies, I said one of the things that I do sometimes is I stream hitters in a redraft league, and I think with them playing more games, you have to. If somebody's playing a doubleheader, that's 14 innings. They could have four Ks and then get a home run, and you'd still have positive points out of that day. So I think just because there's more opportunity and more at-bats, once again, I think it's kind of contextual because if you're in a good position, you probably don't want to drop good hitters. But if you can have one that, you know, kind of platoon player, somebody that's not guaranteed an everyday role, I would definitely recommend doing this. Unless the team, of course, is kind of slumping. Toby, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree a lot with what Art and Eric said in general. Um, I think one of the things that we need to be cautious with with the double headers is there's going to be a lot of guys that play one of those two games, and then it's actually like a negative mm-hmm. for them, right? So, like in the example of like a, a Cervelli, like I love Cervelli. I think the skills are really great, but he's a catcher, catcher, right? And so he's probably only going to play one of those two games. So in some respects, it's actually a downgrade for him. Um, with a guy like Jesus Aguilar too, right. Who started out pretty hot. He's been cooling down. I actually did a little bit of in-depth work on him. He does, he doesn't look that good. And you have Garrett Cooper who's coming back, right. Who, so you may even see them splitting sides of a double header. So there's certain guys that are maybe going to start every single time, but it's hard to know whether like a Sierra is going to start both of those games, right. Or even a birdie or like, there's so many guys that are kind of in and out depending on what the matchup looks like. So I think some of it is, it, it, it is a little risky, but I do love the idea of streaming some of these guys in those situations where it may be a case where like with the Cardinals, where they had double header, single game, double header. Now that's really nice, right? You got, you know, whatever, 28 plus nine, you have 37 innings happening within three days. And so I think that would be a really good opportunity. And with a guy like Sierra, I love that shout because he's a guy who 
you know, he's playing, he, he just was playing the Mets. And obviously we now have to look at the Mets and Yankees missing at least three games, probably, you know, with this weekend, with the news today, but like he was playing the, the, the Mets and then he's playing the nationals. All of these guys are bad at keeping runners. And then he plays the, the Mets at the beginning of next week. Now there's certain, there's obviously uncertainty now about how, like how long the Mets are going to be out. Like, is there another outbreak or is it just another kind of red situation where it's isolated to just one guy. But again, there's a lot of moving parts. So just make sure you're keeping track of kind of what the lineups are looking at. A guy like Miguel Rojas might be a nice little ad. I think he's going to play every day. Um, You know, he started off really good. um, And, and um, they don't really have another shortstop. I don't think that they can really go to who's playing shortstop for them before. Was it birdie who was playing shortstop? I think he was like, yeah. So, you know, I think he's might be a guy who could get a little bit of run. I think Garrett Cooper, they're going to try to get him in the lineup a decent amount. Um, so I definitely think there's an opportunity with the with the Cardinals. The guy I really like is Brad Miller. I liked him a lot this offseason. He's played every single game pretty much for them. Um, he made some concrete changes last year, lowering the ground ball rate. His uh, stat cast metrics were through the roof with the Phillies. And I think the Cardinals did a great job signing him. He's a better defensive third baseman, which doesn't take much than than Matt Carpenter. But I think he's another great guy who's getting at bats. Tyler O'Neill, a little bit of a scare because he was scratched from the lineup on Tuesday, but he he's showing some real concrete changes that actually started last year with his plate discipline, with his contact skills. Um, and we know that he's got the power and a little bit of speed too. So I think there's some options there. And Yadier Molina's back too. So don't think that he's not going to play like virtually every game the remainder of the season. So he'd definitely be a guy that I would want to add to my team for just a volume perspective. The ageless yeah, wonder. Good. Yeah. I was going to say, Yadier Molina is the ageless wonder. Yeah. I actually added him for $5 in my uh, NFBC league. And there was no second bid. So I, I, I was like, that's pretty solid. Uh, like, again, for this exact reason. So you already, have, you already have a single and, and two RBIs today. So Does he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got a uh, bases loaded single, I think, against Sonny Gray in the second of the game. So. We had uh, Jason Collette on a few weeks ago, and when we were recording, I had, that's right when I, I had spent like $175 on Tyler Chatwood. And during our recording, he had eight or runs in like three innings, and I just like sat here with my head in my hands. It was awful, sure. but um, – Going on that yeah. subject is interesting because um, I, I, someone like Jesus Aguilar, and, and we did a show a few weeks ago looking at some if he was for real. And I, I, I don't want to say the long layoff may have hurt him or, or what, but you know he, he had his launch angle was back up to what it was when he broke out a few years ago. His strikeout rate was down ten percent, and it really looked like he was. A lot of his metrics were lining up with when he kind of burst on the scene a few years ago, and now it's regressing. Are, are some of these guys you, you mentioned, Tyler O'Neill? Um, are, are you worried that they might at some point go back to kind of what Jesus Aguilar has been doing? They might come out looking like this way, and then they they're going to regress some to what they've been. Yeah, I think you have to be worried about that with every with with all these type of breakout guys, right? I think um, one of the good things to do, I think, is just to take a look at like whether they're actually earning what they're doing. Right. We're still dealing with very small sample sizes. Anybody can be good over the course of a month, especially with the right matchups and with the way the divisional, you know, uh, schedules are going. Like there's some guys who have played like Detroit, like they've already had three or four series against Mm -hmm. Detroit or, you know, Pittsburgh or things like that. And so it's going to be very up and down. And so I think what you need to do is just look at whether whether the data supports what they're doing so far and don't 
try to be lucky, right? Like you're from a process perspective, you want to use analytics to, to over the long, long haul, develop a process that gives you value in the longer term and not be caught up in kind of getting like, like if you're just going to try to be lucky, right? You're gambling. And the goal is not to gamble. It's to try to use that to your advantage. And so like with a guy like Aguilar, I was looking into him yesterday, you know, his contact is way up, but all of the stat cast metrics, the quality of contact is way down, way, mm-hmm. way, way down, like 25th percentile exit velocity, you know, really low in barrels as well. Well, like at least for a guy that you'd anticipate to be a power hitter and he's actually overperforming, like his expected Woba, I think is 310 and his Woba is 354 or something like that. So there's a guy where you've already gotten lucky in banking what you've gotten from him. And so look at his schedule to see whether you'd anticipate that maybe he's got some good matchups that could help him out. And if not, like, I think you, you just cut, you sever ties with them because I think there's enough guys that are out there. who are getting playing time now where you can kind of look at the schedule. You can look at some guys who are maybe underperforming and hope to get some of that positive regression that they're due. It's a great point. And kind of building off of that, there's guys that have regressed and then there's good guys that have gotten hurt and just are completely on the IL right now. And how quick are you to cut a guy that's on the IL? Now, I'm not going to talk about, you know, the, the Justin Verlanders, the Steven Strasburgs, the John Carlos stands, the guys that you're probably going to hold on to. But let's assume your league has minimal or no IL stints. So give me some examples of guys that you've cut um, and guys that you've been wanting to hold on to that uh, are kind of a little bit more varied uh, with the response you might give. So, um, Eric, I'll start with you. I'll start with you for this question. Who are some guys that you, uh, maybe not the huge name guys, but who are some guys that you've been holding on to, and who are guys that you cut bait with? Yeah, well, I think what if you're having minimal or no IL spots, you definitely need to to decide who you're going to keep on your team and what position you are. If you're a buyer, if you're a seller, um, you know, if you can get some value for a Judge or a Verlander. Um, I think, you know, you hold on to someone like Charlie Morton. I was going to say, are you talking about like in a, uh, like a dynasty league or are you talking of like in just in a redraft league? I, I think if, if you have one of them or multiple of them and you need to win, try to get some value. If you have minimal IL spots, because we've had waves of days where, you know, three Yankees go on the IL. I think it was today, right? LeMayu mm-hmm. and then uh, Torres and, uh, Paxton and Britain. So I think you want to just keep as many roster spots open. Uh, I would cut bait someone like with a Zach Britton more because we've seen how crazy it can be with closers this year. I think someone like Charlie Morton that has an upside though. I think any starting pitching prospect that's going to come back this year, you want to keep. Um, yeah, and people, hitters, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. With hitters or people that are out in extended period that aren't a superstar like Judge, I'd say cut bait on. Especially Stanton. Cut bait on Stanton. <laughs> Not like you have a personal bias with Stanton or anything. He's going to come back and then, like, fracture his finger the first game he's back. Yeah. I mean, Britton already wasn't closing now that Chapman's back, and now that he's on the, the IL, I feel like I'm going to see him dropped a little bit more often, so I think that's a good point you brought him up. Toby, is, what about you? Any examples of guys that you've been struggling with holding on to or cutting? Uh, sure. Yes. Yeah. So, so some examples like Verlander, I actually dropped in the week that the injury happened. Um, mm-hmm. Just because like the thing that the the process that I like to run through when I'm thinking about injuries is like, okay, what are the chances that they're going to come back? Right. And then when they come back, what are the chances that they're um, 
uh, they're going to play, and and what then what are the chances that they're going to actually contribute, right? So with a guy like Verlander, like you know that when he comes back and he pitches, he's probably going to be pretty good. But they were already talking about I can't remember what the timeline was, like four to six weeks, I think, before he started pitching again. And then, you know, and so, and that's, you know, you always add on that week to what the prognosis is. Mm-hmm. And then he's got to work his way up to getting to five innings to even contribute like a win to you. And then it's like, is he going to be good? Right. Like, cause at that point in time, he's got, he's got three games he's pitching or four games. You don't know who the matchups are. You know, you don't know, you don't know how good he's actually going to be because even in his first start, like it was pretty clear even though he did pretty well, it was pretty clear from some of the underlying metrics that he just what didn't have his regular stuff. Like he was going up against the Mariners and he, you know, he, he didn't have his regular swinging strike stuff. Like they were making a ton of contact on him. So, you know, so with a, a situation like that with Strasburg, I didn't drop him this week just because I wanted to see if there was any update and there really hasn't been that I've seen. And so he's going to be a cut for me this weekend, I think, which is really sad. Like, just because I had him in a couple important leagues and, and I'm just not going to get anything out of him, but you just got to move on from that. Uh, guys that I've kept are like Josh Donaldson. You know, I'm, I'm holding on to Donaldson just because I don't think that I can get nearly the production that I'd be able to like on the wire. And I can have maybe one of those guys. The challenge is in one of those leagues, I also have Ozzy Albies who I'm also keeping. And that's, that's a real challenge, right? Is having like those two guys on your bench, just holding it. But for mm-hmm. those guys, especially because it hasn't been like, oh, it's four to six weeks or it's two to three weeks. It's just been kind of like a we're waiting to get information. So literally like Albies could be back this weekend and none of us would be surprised. He could also be out for the rest of the season and none of us would know. So some of it is like knowing and knowing what the certainty is. And with hitters, I think it's a little bit more challenging than it is with pitchers because we know that pitchers like like um can't remember who mentioned it, but like with Flaherty, right? Like. Flaherty comes back and we're like, yes, Flaherty's in. And it's like, oh, 41 pitches. So you're telling me the next time he pitches next week, I'm going to be going into that start being like, what is he getting to? Like 60, 65? Yeah. You know? And it's not like he looked great either, right? Like I think they had the bases loaded in in the two innings he pitched. Um, And so, you know, so you don't, you, you just like in those types of situations, I think it's much easier to make the decision about pitchers than it is about hitters. But with some of the hitters, like, if you get a prognosis and it's just like two, maybe even three weeks that they're going to be contributing. And we know sometimes guys are slow to get in it. Maybe you move on a guy like Stanton. I'm less concerned about like, um, you know, Stanton, it's like, you know, you're looking for kind of home runs from him. You're looking for power. You're not necessarily looking for average or stolen bases. So maybe he's similar to Donaldson, but, um, you know, I just feel better about my ability to generate some power off the waiver wire than I do with maybe some batting average mm-hmm. and stolen bases, maybe with like an Albies. But Donaldson's just in such a nice, you know, the Twins lineup is just yeah. so good. And the AL Central pitching is just so bad. Like, I just want I want to have him there. So, again, I think it's, it's, it's always contextual. Pitchers are easier to move on, I think, than hitters. Um, and you just got to make some, you know, some decisions on that. So I'm with you. Sure. Donaldson. That's too juicy of a lineup to bend to cut him. <laughs> yeah. Art, is there anything you'd like to add? I I have a recent uh, situation where I was holding on to Mike Moustakis and Rich Hill. I have cut Rich Hill because he was pretty poor the other day. Uh, but I I'm glad I held on to Moustakis. 
Uh, I'm going to start calling it the Moustakis line for people above that where I'm going to keep. Um, and, <laughs> I like that. And I, like that. And I, and I, I went through and I started to look and there's not that many people. There's, um, I, I, I am a little bit worried about Donaldson and Albies. They're just kind of dragging out their, their injuries. Um, uh, Donaldson is running, he's fielding, he's doing baseball activities. Um, but it's been a few weeks. Albies, uh, I think the latest I've heard is he might be back late August. Uh, Bo Bichette is the one who, who I'm, who's really worried me. He's the guy who got a lot of people excited, and there's no timetable for him right now. So that's that's worrisome. Um, and I don't know what to do with that information. Obviously, you'd have to have a, you know, a Strasburg and uh, you know a Bregman and a Bo Bichette on your on a, like a two person IL to not keep Bo Bichette, but like, you don't know when, we don't know when he's going to be back off the IL. So there's, um, there's a, there's a, there's not that many guys who are on the IL who, who I, who I would keep um, is basically what I'm saying. Well, I know that with Bo Bichette, they said it's September for sure. And I think they said middle mm-hmm. of September is what I was hearing. So if you hear that dreaded S word, is that, is that kind of like clicking like cup bait? If I hear September, like that, I mean, it's, it's, you know, 11 more days, but mm-hmm. that would assume that they're coming back, you know, September 1st. So you probably are missing at least two more weeks of that player. So just quickly around the horn, Eric, if, if you hear September, are you holding on a player that long? Cause at that point you're pretty much have probably a week to two weeks left of the season. If I'm in a strong position to make playoffs, then yes. Otherwise, no. I think we forget that it's a short season and people are going to try to rush back from stuff. But if this was a full 162 game schedule, people would probably have taken the rest of the season to heal from some of these injuries. Toby, are you, if, if September is the timeline, are you going to hold on to the player? Depends on when in September. I mean, it really does. And, and it also depends on what I'm looking for from that player as well you know, what the injury is. I mean, look at like Tim Anderson, right? Like Tim Anderson gets injured. I'm like, I'm doomed. You know, there go my stolen bases. It's a groin injury. So he's not going to come back and steal. I think before he came back, he had like one stolen base or something like that. I was like, you know, this is, this is the worst. He's been back. He's already hit five home runs since he's been back. He's stolen two bases, right? We're not going to expect that that's going to happen, but with a guy like that, that we know can contribute that way, I'm fine waiting till early September, but once we get into like mid September, then I'm fine cutting bait. And one thing to remember, right, is that they're really good players, but over two weeks, players can do anything, right? So he could have that hot streak. He could have zero hits over those two weeks. Not really, but like he could do really poorly. And so you're just like, it just adds to that, to that luck factor. So again, like it's really hard to say because so much of it is contextual to your team and what your team needs are and what that player brings. But I think when you get into mid September right now, like you definitely need to to move on from that guy. No, like Bo no, no doubt moving on from Bo Bichette. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm glad you brought that up. And then, so this kind of connects me to the next thing I wanted to talk about. And Toby, this won't be specifically for you because I know Eric and Art aren't playing right now. They're not doing very many fab leagues. And I know with you being in the main event, uh, I'm very curious and for our listeners to hear uh, how have you been using your fab so far this season? What are some guys you've really targeted and, and how have you kind of, uh, how have you planned on using your fab this year? What is kind of your strategy behind it? Yeah. 
Well, my strategy heading into the season was actually kind of a little bit um, against the grain, I think, of what I heard a lot of people saying. I think a lot of folks wanted to kind of spend early just to like, because there's such a short season. You know, for me, I was lucky in some leagues because I started off pretty well where I could, um, you know, where I could save some fab. So in pretty much all of my leagues, except for maybe one, I'm actually among like the maybe top two and in folks who have fab remaining. Um, you know, but then once I've identified like a specific need that my team has, then I've been a lot more aggressive. I actually put in, I think maybe the largest bid I've ever put in on fab, um, in one of my main event leagues, Garrett Hampson, it was the only main event league that Garrett Hampson was available last week. Um, so he was 97% owned. Um, and I put in a $407 bid and got him, um, with a backup of 309. So that's an example where like, you know, it's kind of like controlled aggression where it's like, when a guy like that, that I think is a real difference maker, not only that, because, because DJ LeMahieu was going on the DL or IL and I had him in that league and, and we needed stolen bases. So it was kind of like a perfect storm. And of course, Brendan Rogers comes up and he's not playing today. You know, and all that. <laughs> I'm now in a position Rockies where I rock, finally man. have these guys where I can be like these damn Rockies. But, um, you know, so I think it really depends. And it's then, then it's like, so if I have a, a clear need, I mean, that's really what I wanted to hold fab for is like, I have a clear need and now I can be really aggressive in trying to go in and get after that. Um, and so I think that that, that has been kind of my approach and if at all possible to be able to have a lot of fab towards the end, because I think things are going to get crazy, right? Because you're going to have once teams get out of contention, you know, or once they, it's clear that they're going to make the playoffs, you're going to have a lot of time juggling. You're going to have a lot of rotation shifting, you're going to have to have a lot of flexibility. And I think having kind of the hammer towards the end of the season is going to be incredibly valuable. But again, that's a luxury that you don't always have the opportunity to take. Um, and so in some leagues, I think I'm in a position to kind of do that a little bit. And then in others, I'm, I'm not because I really need to be aggressive. Like in TGFBI, you know, my team is just God awful. Like I started off I had Bueller and Morton were my two aces. They've been God awful. I had Chatwood for his one bad start. Literally my ERA is over six like after almost a month, like that's literally like impossible. Like if I were to choose just random guys off the scrap heap, I couldn't get a six ERA on my team, but I haven't. So I've had to be really aggressive in just trying to get it, you know, like get in there and fix my team. Whereas in other teams, like it's pretty clear I have one or two weaknesses. And so I'm just trying to be flexible. I'm trying to kind of go after the guys who aren't as expensive, but are kind of those middle tier guys, um, trying to work matchups, do things like that. But again, like, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes with Fab this year, um, and so I'm. You know, I'm. I think my general strategy was try to save it and have that hammer, and to be able to be aggressive towards the end. And I think in some places that's working out for me, and in others, it's not. Like one of my main events that's doing super well, I only have five saves. I only have one closer, Mark Melanson. And I just have not been able to get saves. Like I've, I've been going after things. I wasn't as aggressive probably as I should have been around uh, Rafael Montero and some of the clear roles. And so now I'm like, last week I speculated on four separate closing situations. And so it's like, you know, that's the position I'm in where I need to kind of sacrifice some of my offensive flexibility to, um, to try to get that closer or two that I really need. Well, yeah, that's actually a great segue because by the last time we were going to talk about on this subject was closers and the fact that you have the guys like the Kirby Yates and the Roberto Asuna is done for the year. Roldis Chapman just got activated this week. Taylor Rogers looks like he's part of a committee. And, and then 
you had the crazy situations with Kansas City and Colorado. So, Art, I'll start with you for this one. What are you? What have you been trying to do with closers? Because this year is closers already are crazy, but this year it's been, I feel like, even worse than it normally is. I I think my particular performance with closers should disqualify me from talking <laughs> about closers for the rest of this season. I love uh, the honesty. I I this listen. We are a family show. Um, but Craig Kimbrell striking out three and getting a save the other day after I dropped him a few weeks ago. And he was like, Oh, you know what? Kimbrell's got that job. You go out no, and get, get Kimbrell. Negative he's again. Got that job. I, I, and then, and then I don't get him. I wanted to rip like a piece of wood in half. <laughs> it was, um, that's very nonviolent of you, Art, though. I mean, like a P, you, you're like, I wanted to rip a piece of wood. I'm looking at my staircase and like, I would, I will punch every stair out and just stay in my basement. So I, I have taken to um, actually trying to get guys who are just performing really well and getting consistent, um, consistent work. Diego Castillo's, uh, getting consistent work. Uh, Joachim Soria is getting consistent work. Um, I, 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 I was also not on good on any of the spec situations I tried to get into, and the ones that I did get into, I ended up having to drop. Like I dropped Cole Sulcer. I think Cole Sulcer now has the job again after not getting a save. So, uh, <laughs> so it's like uh, I, I, I tried Brandon Kinsler, who's Who's pitching fine? I mean, well, he had a bad last start, uh, last two appearances, but he's pitching pretty well. He's only he only has three saves on this season. Um, so, uh, you know, it, I I went down and there's like twenty guys with four or more saves right now. I mean, saves are all over the place, and it's just like twenty guys with four, but they're not getting them they're not the guy for four straight opportunities. So it's really hard to know what to do with it. I'm kind of like bowing out of the race and saying, I'm just going to get good pitchers and uh, I have one closer and I'm going to keep trying to get another guy. But uh, otherwise I'm just going to get guys who are getting some safe opportunities. Soria has like two or three. Uh, Matt Foster's a guy who I really like. He's pitching really well for the White Sox, but I also have Colome who I really, I think he's going to keep that job. So um, yeah, uh, like I said, um, I, sorry, I, I hope you guys are doing better than I am with relief pitching. It's, I forgot who we had on that actually made the point where they said what they do is they look for guys that are really dominating the eighth inning and guys that their ratios are really, really good. Because if the guy ahead of them loses the job, they're already looking ahead. He's probably the next guy up. And I think that's a really great strategy. I, I totally forgot who said that um, that we had on. But I think it's that's a really good way to go in this situation. A lot of times if these guys are performing really well, that they will eventually probably slide in at some point. Um, Eric, anything you would want to add for the saves discussion? No, I, I think that you made some great points. One of the things I look at is teams that are in a lot of save situations. So even you know a team that like Milwaukee that might have a dominant closer and hater, if they're in a lot of save opportunities, he can't pitch every day. You know, maybe someone like Freddie Peralta. I mean, not actually, but just hypothetically, I look for low ERA and whips. You know, we've seen a lot of P 
people go down, but Drew Pomeranz was a great handcuff. James Karinchak, if something happens to Brad Hand, if he has a few bad outings. Um, Matt Foster and Evan Marshall are looking good in the White Sox bullpen. Anthony Bass, I think you need to be active if looking for closers. I, I think that's one of the, situ- the situations where there's the few clear-cut guys, and then there's going to be a scramble for whoever's going to be that next hot commodity. So I feel like there's a lot of more injuries than most years, but um, yeah, like you said, go with those ratios, be active. Toby, I'm sure you're doing better in saves than art, even though you said you, you had <laughs> that situation. So what depends, on the, depends on the league. I mean, you know, my, my, my strategy coming in again is like, you can't have it all. And so I'd rather go after like guys who do have access to saves. Like I have column a on a few teams. I have Melanson on a few teams. I have Kinsler on a few teams. Um, those were kind of like a lot of my target guys, but I also had like Wade Davis on a couple teams, um, you know, and so I think it's been like everybody else. Like I'm not certainly not dominating that category in any league, really. Uh, I am struggling in some of them to, to get those guys. And I think it is one of those situations where I think bullpens again are, are, um, being, you know, guys are getting smarter, right? They're putting players in the best, the most high leverage situation, their best reliever, like teams are getting smarter about that, I think. Um, especially I feel like there was this kind of like group of uh, of kind of solid closers that had been around for a while and people kind of gave deference to them as the closers. But those guys have been slowly kind of falling out of the league. And as that has happened, I think managers have been a little bit more reluctant to kind of name a guy. Like we've seen that with Pomerantz, right? Like you think Pomerantz is the guy. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I don't even want to get into last night, but like Pomerantz is the guy and then he pitches in the seventh. And then you've got a situation where you're like, oh, we're up by one run. I'm going to put Matt Strom in. Now, I love Matt Strom, but heading into last night, he had an 11% strikeout rate. He had an 8% swinging strike rate. And you're going to throw him in against Joey Votto, who doesn't have lefty-righty splits. And the last thing you do you want is for a guy who, who can make contact. And they said he wasn't available, but it's like, he threw 18 pitches the night before and he didn't pitch the night before. So like, anyways, it's really hard to know, but I agree in the sense that like, so here are some examples like Bard. I have Bard on a couple teams. So I'm hoping that he gets that gig over Estevez. And I do think that he's next in line to get it. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to get it. I look for reasons why teams would be incentivized to use a guy like Bard's 35, right? Like he's not in search of a grand contract, right? Whereas if you give younger guys the opportunity you know, in arbitration and things like that, it can mean more money for them. So like Bard, I speculated on, right? A lot of people speculated on Jordan uh, Romano, who's super good on the Blue Jays. He's been super good, but it, I think it's pretty clear that Bass has it. Even yesterday, you know, Dolis got the, got the save and he didn't get it, right? And he pitched in the seventh, you know, today. So you had shares. I had shares of John Gant, right? Because he's been pitching out of his mind and he's pitching more than one inning, but he just hasn't had a save opportunity since that, um you know, since that initial double header when we all were kind of like, oh, maybe he's got the gig. And so, you know, you're speculating on those guys. And I think to Art's point and to Eric's point, when you have those high skilled guys, at least you're not crushing your ratios because we all know, especially right now as hitting starting to catch up with pitching, man, some of these weeks are just absolutely brutal. Like Phil Dussault, who's a great um, NFBC player, you know, he was putting the ERA by week. And it was like week one, the average ERA for an NFBC team was like three, four. And then the following week, it was three, eight. And then last week, it was like four, two, five, right? The average ERA, like for the full team. And so it's just like, 
it's it's gruesome out there. And so having John Gant early this week, I don't have any saves, but I have two and two thirds innings with five Ks and one hit allowed. Yeah. Right, that's super valuable when a guy like Spencer Turnbull comes up and you know cracks a brick, right? Like he did today. Yep. And so you know, at least if you're not going to get saves, build up those ratios. And the good thing is, if you do capture that closer, is that it's so the margins are so thin. And nobody's running away with it, right? Unless you've got Liam Hendricks and Kenley Jansen on one team, right? You're like you're yeah. not like running away with things. And so, you know, do that or speculate on like the Rays bullpen, which is really good. Um, you know, like it could be Chaz Rowe. It could be, you know, Peter Fairbanks. It could be um, uh, Jalen Beeks, right? Like guys who are, who are good relievers who are going to get you Ks um, and hopefully not hurt your ratios at the same time. David, notice how he didn't say Nick Anderson. <laughs> He's gone. My man crush. Right? You know, I made a speculation before the season that in points leagues, he was going to be the number one reliever for points scored, and he's actually number four right now. So that doesn't look too is crazy. Is Hayter number one? Is Hayter number one right now? I think it's Hendricks is number one. Oh, Hendricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, but he's number four, and he hasn't given up a run all season, and his ratios are insane. Like, I thought they would be. Um, it's really su- surprising, actually. His velo's down like a decent amount. I think like I want it may, it may only be half a mile per hour, but earlier in the season, I was a little concerned about him. But man, he's just he's crushing it. He, his curveball is is like I, I wrote an article about him before the season start. His curveball was on the same level as Kershaw and uh, Max Freed's. Like they were comparing and how nasty it was. So I, I'm, I'm, I think he's a really good combination with that. Uh, one guy you guys didn't bring up who I think also fits the role is Chad Green. And I have him on all yeah. my teams everywhere, actually. And he he is so automatic when he comes in. 1.2 innings, 3Ks. Like, he's he's just so solid for that Yankees bullpen. And he's just he's just always I, – I, if he gives up a run, it, it, I'm, like, shocked. Like, he's that just that much of a staple for your ratios. Totally. Um, and the challenge with a guy like that is um, – uh, yeah, I, I, a thing with a guy like that, I just got a text message that says Bieber crushed. And so I don't know whether they lost the lead. I thought they had won the game, but did they lose it? No, they, they were won nothing when I saw. Right hand got the save. Oh, he did. Okay, cool. So it's crushed yeah, in a good way. I was thinking my soul, <laughs> my soul is getting crushed here. Um, the challenge with Chad Green is he's been available every week for me. The same with Jalen Beeks. And it's yeah. like I have a hard time speculating on guys that aren't going to get the save. You know, because he's never really been in a save opportunity. Then, of course, Jalen Beeks gets the save yesterday, you know. So it's just one of those situations where, like, I want to have saves if it's possible, especially in a, in a league that has an overall competition, like where I know I need to compete at least in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there are some relievers out there that are just throwing fire, you know. But that's a, that was a great discussion, guys. I think – Hopefully that's going to help you guys, everybody listening to if you're stuck in a, whether you need to drop a guy, whether you need to pick up somebody, uh, you know, guys, you should target uh, anything that we talked about to hopefully is going to help you kind of for the rest of this season. I know it's a grind. Um, so, again, just make the mess of it. It's, it's a tough situation, but I think everybody, at least we're playing baseball. We're having fun. That's all that matters. But let's move over to our question of the week. We are sponsored. Support for the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. 
Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. And guys, a little bit of story time. I used to use hand razors in the shower that cut my beautiful balls. And I love <laughs> some ugly looking scars. No more. There's no more with Manscaped. It's changed the game with the Lawnmower 3.0, the greatest ball trimmer ever created. This trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to its advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And when I hear skin safe, my balls are already smiling. David, how much did it hurt on a one to 10 scale when you nipped him? I'm going to let you just speculate on that. (laughs) The premium battery will last up to 90 minutes and it's waterproof. That's right. You can listen to Toby's voice in the shower while you trim your balls. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The lawnmower absolutely. Has a <laughs> the lawnmower has a seven thousand RPM motor with quiet stroke technology and features an LED light, which illuminates grooming, so you can look like Shane Bieber on the mound with your accuracy. And let's not forget, you need to show this thing off loudly and proudly when you want someone to come in your bathroom and see how you groom yourself. To use the intelligently designed clock stand powered by USB to charge in between uses. If you're listening to me right now. They both know you need to trim that junk of yours, and I'm going to help you out. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TRIPLEPLAY at manscaped.com. Yeah, I didn't stutter. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code TRIPLEPLAY. Your balls will thank you. My balls, thank you. Uh, David, (laughs) I think you deserve some sort of award for doing that all without just absolutely losing it. So congratulations. (laughs) That was I practiced in front of a mirror today. Uh, but our question of the week this week, which player in Major League Baseball has the best facial hair? So it's a very loaded question here. A lot of variation. Toby, start us off. Wow, I was worried about this. I mean, I have to go with myself. I mean, I just, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, I looked this up. I think I'll, I'll go with two guys, Okay. Number one, for in the creativity division, I'd go with Mike Fires. I don't know if you've mm. seen his thing that comes around and then loops like this, but isn't connected on one side yeah. of the goatee. That thing is, uh, that thing is uh, I don't know what, how to describe it. But I think just overall, the best facial hair um, is I have to go with Charlie Blackman. I think number one, because he's had that beard and it's just – phenomenal but he's had it for years right it's not a covid beard it's not because he couldn't didn't have an opportunity to shave or to go to the barber to have it trimmed or something like that or because he was indoors all the time like he he wore it proudly like for years before and i think it's even bigger than it was you know beforehand and then he compliments it with the mullet as well which i think is just uh um all together from like a hair perspective is just uh, pretty elite um, almost as good as his over 400 batting average right now. So I'm going to go with Charlie Blackman um, with an honorable mention to Mike Fires and his creepy little uh, beard slash mustache slash goatee thing. Charlie Blackman could probably kill someone and just shave his beard and cut his hair and nobody would be able to recognize him. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm going to lump you in there with them, Toby, because that the facial hair is on point. I got to give you that. Especially from somebody who just read the Manscaped, uh, you know, advertisement. I I just want to thank you for that. 
<laughs> or who's your guy? Um, I think that uh, someone who, who I want to shine a big bright light on is Matt Carpenter. Now, Matt Carpenter has been going at his beard for a while now. But I recently saw him play a series against the Cub and uh, Cubs, and it is now in just an amazing condition. Matt Carpenter's beard doesn't start like on his cheekbone, like a like a regular person's beard does. It starts around his lips, and then it just because <laughs> like, and I don't think I don't think he shaves. I don't think he manscapes above that. I don't think it grows up there, and then it just explodes down about six inches. In, in such a wonderful mane that a bluegrass musician would be proud to wear this. This man looks like he stepped off of a Missouri farm field and into the Cardinals lineup. What a and reference. It's wonderful. It is a wonderful beard. And I look at it and I say, this guy looks, uh, he looks like a farm guy. Maybe Amish. I'm not sure. It's like, start, oh God, I wish... I'm, I'm going to have to post this entire video just so everyone can see where I'm pointing at my face. It doesn't grow above his lips. It doesn't grow above his lips. It looks so weird, but it's, it's actually pretty awesome. In, in, a, in a face mask, I saw him interviewed. The face mask is covering everything. There's just this giant beard. I don't, I don't know if the face mask is doing its job in that situation. <laughs> Matt Carpenter's beard is epic. That's awesome. Eric? Now, now here's the question is, is – if, um, well, I'll ask this later. I'm going to ask this later. I've got it saved up. I want to hear what the other answers are. Oh, yeah, don't forget because I'm, I'm curious. Okay, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm, I won't forget. All right, well, I figured somebody was going to say Charlie Blackman, so good thing I had a backup. I'm going to say Justin Turner just because he's a ginger, and I feel like they don't get a lot of love. Shout mm. out to the gingers. Justin Turner's been growing that facial hair for a while. It's puby. It's, it's, it's <laughs> blows off his face. But you can't miss him. Justin Turner's my guy. I'm gonna give. I like that answer. I'm gonna give quick shout-outs real quick. Just some some people that aren't playing anymore. But I wanted to highlight. Everybody loves the beard. Brian Wilson. Of course, uh, he was epic. Love that. Danny Espinosa, friend of the pod, on last or two weeks ago. His his that facial is hair point. is like a, a blanket on his face. It's like a and, bird's nest. Yeah, for those that's for those that are wondering, he still has it. Like right now, like he still has a huge bird's nest on his face. Um, and then there was also uh, uh, Jesus himself, Jason Worth. Can't forget him. Mm-hmm. And then the other one I wanted to highlight. I don't know if you guys remember Bobby Jenks. Um, oh yeah, he had, a, he had a, at one point had a pink little goatee that he died. It was it was we. I saw the image and I was like, oh my god, this is epic. But. The guy that currently I'm going to highlight, Dallas Keuchel. I feel like mm. Dallas Keuchel's beard is its own mm. beard. I've Like, his facial hair just looks different than everybody else. Like, his beard has, like, different hairs or different something he puts in it. It just it, – it's very interesting looking. And it, like, it starts – you were saying, it starts, like, here. Like, it doesn't even, like – it's not like it's up here. It's, like, it literally starts right here, and then it's just, like, this big beard down. So I thought it was kind of unique. Can I give an honorable mention to Sergio Romo? Not nothing crazy with the facial hair, but like every time he'd save a game, he'd stroke it like Waluigi from the Mario series. Yeah, I like that. All right, so here's the question. Is, per Art's discussion, if those four guys were to have a bluegrass band, what would the name of the bluegrass band be? 
Wow. Oh my god. That's a good question. Um I, I've already I've got an idea already. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to hear it. Um, so I was thinking uh like Chuck, Dallas, Carp, and the Ginger Mountain Boys or something like that. You know? Ginger Mountain Boys. Oh the Ginger good. Mountain Boys. That's good. I mean, that's oh. like I love it. It's really that, good. That's better than what I was gonna say. I think we gotta make yeah. this a thing. We're gonna have to you're gonna have to have trademark that. You know, you, we just got shirts printed, we'll do we'll make those next. <laughs> There's one other guy who's got like if we had done like Jason Worth, Justin Turner. There's one other guy who has a bright red beard this year that I'm like totally forgetting about. You know, I'm totally tagging you. If I see Justin Turner hits a home run, I'm gonna be like hashtag Ginger Mountain Boy. Ginger Mountain Boy. Ginger Mountain Boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, who who would be the jug the jug player? I think Carpenter's a jug player. <laughs> He's blowing on the jug, dude. So, um, so, so Justin Turner is the fiddle player, right? Like he's stamping, the fiddler, his butt, yeah. you know, yeah. like he does, you know, he does the like that. He's got like his fiddle going, you know, like. I think Blackman's the the banjo and lead singer. I think it's oh, got to be Blackman, yeah, yeah, for sure, right? Ch- Chuck Nasting, Chuck Nasting, sure. mm-hmm. Chuck Nasting yeah, yeah. Yeah. he's dancing Chuck on the Nasty stage. Nasting and the Ginger Mountain Boys. There we go. We got it. <laughs> Nasty. Holy moly. Oh, We're making magic right now. We're making magic happen. It's just going to have to come into existence now. Oh my God. Now, now what we're going to need to do, I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to put this out there on Twitter is we need somebody to Photoshop an album yes. cover yes. Of, of, of those four players and their beards onto a bluegrass <laughs> album cover called yes. Chuck Nasty and the Ginger Mountain Boy. <laughs> We're going to make this happen. We're going to make this happen. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Somebody's going to do it. Somebody <laughs> is going to do it. I, If that happens, I will be able to uh, to just go to – I can just lay down peacefully. Like, that's that's all I need. I need to see that album cover. That is epic. Chuck um, Nasty and the Ginger Mountain Boys. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, just think about, just think about like uh, Charlie Blackman, right? He comes in and he's got like his, like kind of uh, his, his like cowboyish hat on, right? And he's mm-hmm. like, play, he's like, he's like playing and he's kind of like the quiet guy, but then he gets, there's a song with a real beat and he gets into it and he throws off that hat and then the just, the mullet's just like there, you know, like, and he's just. What about like mid-set when he takes it off? It shouldn't be hard to find photos. He took like a bunch with his wife or girlfriend and he like lives on a farm or like has, has a he home a farm. Yeah. He takes like, he takes like a lot of pictures of him, like on ranches and farms and stuff. So it shouldn't be hard to find a picture. Oh that. my God. This is, this is setting up to be perfect. He's from Georgia, right? Uh, I, think so. I think so. Yeah. Oh man. Chuck, I love it. Chuck nasty and the ginger mountain boys. I'm here for this. That is awesome. Let's do it. All right, let's finish up the show. We're going to our game of the week. And our game this week, it's called Who He Play For? And how this works. I'm going to read you guys off a list of 10 players. Each of these guys have accumulated at least 10 at-bats this season for their respective teams. 
Most are names I think you probably have heard of, but maybe a couple you haven't. But you have to tell me the team that they're currently on right now. A lot of them are kind of journeyman players. All right. Um, I'm going to lose this. You only get points if you get the team. If you get the team right. You don't get the team right. There's no points awards. It's easy to keep score. Uh, Toby's going to win this game, but at least it's not David winning. You know, I I didn't want to tell you guys this, but ever since I blew that lead, (laughs) first game I played, I've been working out pretty much every day. Uh, I've been doing a lot of studying. Uh, I've been, um, I've been thinking like Jeopardy, like what could the categories be? And, um, listening to a lot of Chuck Nasty and the Ginger Mountain. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. you and uh, I feel pretty good about my shot at redemption here. This yeah. is, that's what this is. I've a lot of Bob Marley redemption song too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm just like, okay, I'm ready for this. I let's love see. it. All right, well, we're going to do – we'll go Toby, Art, Eric, and then Art, Eric, Toby, and we'll keep kind of going in that order. Everybody starts right. off being first. All right, here we go. Toby, no pressure. First one, catcher, Ryan LaVarnway. LaVarnway, LaVarnway. I know it. I know it. Oh, man, this is so – I'm trying to remember the box score that I saw it in. I can just see it. Um, I'm going to go with the Pirates. Okay. Art? Uh, Colorado Rockies. Eric? Art sounded confident, so I'm going to go Rockies as well. You guys are all incorrect. Don't tell me it was the Marlins. Okay. It was the Marlins. Back up for Cervelli. Ow. It's all right. Everybody's still tied. Number two, catcher Josh Fegley. Art, you start off. Mm. This this is cheating for him. (laughs) Josh Fegley? The Chicago Cubs. Eric? I'm going to say athletics because we made a post for him earlier this year because he had eight RBIs in one game last year. It's so the Cubs. Just hit a two-run homer against the Cardinals yesterday, yeah. I think. It is the it is the Cubs. Yes, Eric. He's on a, a lot of these guys are on different teams. Cubs fan up there. <laughs> you yeah. remember? I, mean, I, already told, I already told you I was gonna lose this game, so <laughs> it's already told you it's a one one zero. All right. Number three. Right fielder Derek Fisher. Eric, you start. I don't know any of these really, but I'm going to go Rangers. Toby? Well, I got to look like I'm not confident in my answer for art. <laughs> yeah, the gamesmanship. Oh, God, this is so – I'm just going to throw out one. I'm just going to throw it out there, Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know. I don't think that's right, but I'm just going to – Art, what do you think? Um, Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> that is correct the toronto blue jays so right now we got the third of the way through we got 10 questions we got a two-way tie first place eric and distant last that's fine <laughs> yeah, every week. Hey, art, art it's me me and you <laughs> you want to have me back I'll let, again I'll let art break toby's heart this time i've already done <laughs> You already won, Eric. You already won. Yeah, that's fine. 
<laughs> all right, number four. I think you guys should all get this one. This was the easiest one I put on there. Billy Hamilton. Toby, start. Mets. Art. Mets. Eric. Mets. They're on the board. All right, three, three, one. Going to number five. Third baseman Brock Holt. Art, you start. Brock Holt. I did. I uh, just saw him. I'm not going to get this right. Arizona Diamondbacks. Eric. I saw him too. I feel like it was a red team. I'm going to go Phillies. I think Toby's trying to hide a smile. I think he knows this. Brewers. Go ahead. You said Brewers? Yeah. That is correct. He is a third baseman for the Brewers. Oh, man, now he takes the lead. David, you're telling me Toby. <laughs> All right. I should have done five at-bats. I feel like some of them are a little easier, but we'll do – Penn is still good. Number uh, number six, right fielder John Jay. Eric. I'm going to say Giants. Toby. Oh, I stumped him on this one. Phillies. And Art. You might think I'm just starting to guess this for everyone, but I think it is Arizona. <laughs> Art, you're correct. I oh. knew it. I knew it. <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks. And this yeah, one's all right. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got four left. Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I put that for the last one, just because. All, like, all ten were Arizona Diamondbacks. You just get, it's it's the whole Arizona Diamondbacks roster, actually. Eduardo Escobar. That's a Eduardo. Escobar. All right, here we go. Here's a name that you guys will all know, but do you know where he is right now? And I believe we are starting with Toby for this one now. What's Joe? It's four to four to one. Joe Panic. I'm going to go with the Blue Jays. All right. Art? He seems really confident. <laughs> Am I confident? Or is it just a facade? <laughs> you guys all thought I was stupid. Now you know it was all a, just a big facade. <laughs> I... Mm. Shh. Uh, All right, I, my gut was the Nationals, so I'm going to say Nationals. Fair. Um, I actually, my gut thought was Blue Jays, so I'm going to go Blue Jays. It's the Toronto Blue Jays. I should have just should have just drafted. So just no, 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 draft for me, just winning now, just winning. All right, I'm just in it. I'm focused. All right, you should have done that because then you know use the leverage of him going first. I should have just right. drafted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Art, you go first for this next one. First baseman Matt Thais. Matt, what? Thais. T H A I S S. Thais. <laughs> Keep trying, David. I don't even know. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't look at how to pronounce it. I Matt Thais. Roads is a weird <laughs> word. Roads. Roads. Um. <laughs> it might Matt. be pronounced Tice. 
I think. Oh, you're right. That is how it mapped. <laughs> the thing is, you might have given it away because I think you know the answer. But you do go last, so that helps. Matt Tice it's on the Arizona. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, no um, Kansas City Royals. Eric? Uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Toby? Uh, it's the Angels. And I, I, I do want right. to say, I accidentally did this. I was looking up the pronunciation in baseball reference. So I want to say, as a man of integrity, I knew it was the Angels, but I realized when I typed it into my browser that it showed the Angels. So I'm going to take a zero on that one. I'm going to take a zero oh. on that one just for the integrity of the a game. A gentleman and a scholar. I like I, it. Yeah, I, I, I feel bad. I, I, I was like, ugh. That's okay. You still have the lead by one. opportunity to win, but you want to know something? There are things that are more important <laughs> winning than winning the game. Like, you, you know what? Right, taking on three and zero. Oh. Zach Plesac and Mike Clevenger need to listen to you. There you go. So our uh, listeners are not only learning. I do that. <laughs> our listeners are not only learning some good fantasy baseball advice, but they're learning integrity in sportsmanship. I like mm-hmm. it. Last two. And who starts this time? It is, I believe, Eric. Mm-hmm. JT Riddle, shortstop. All right, I got a one in 30 chance. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with hmm, the Pirates. Toby? I know he used to play for the Marlins. Gonna go with the pirates too. Oh, what? That I want the, that's winning in my sense if Toby's capping off me. Think <laughs> of your own one, man. There's 29 other teams. <laughs> he thinks he's right. Go ahead, Art. Uh, we all know that JT Riddle played beater for Slytherin in Quidditch. Uh, Tom Riddle. <laughs> no, I just no Harry finished reading the Harry Potter series with my son. Yes. All, all right. Yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah. Somebody got. I always think of Tom Riddle when I see him now. When I when I see JT Riddle. Uh, um, I think I got to go differently. I'm going to go. Um, There's uh, still one more question, Art. Just so you know. Yeah. So you can tie Seattle, in if you... Seattle Mariners. The correct answer. The C Pittsburgh Pirates. Is that right? Done. I is. saw him play today. <laughs> you're telling me I got you're telling me I got one right just guessing. Right, that's, that's pretty fine. cool. All right, last one. Uh, if I get this, I win, right? Uh, you already won. I think you got the win. Did I win? Oh my god. I think you're up too. I was hoping Art was going to go with you because I was like, if you miss this last one and he gets it, then we could go into a, a face-off. Oh, I promised myself I wouldn't cry. <laughs> well, we're, we're not going to Trials and tribulations, a lot of self-work, you know, looking at myself <laughs> and my previous failures, and now I'm feeling good. You're going to sleep well tonight, huh? I'm going to get this one wrong just because I can. <laughs> Let's for the last one. Let's see. We're gonna start right with uh right with you, Toby, the man of the hour, Max Schrock, second baseman. St. Louis Cardinals. 
I think he was playing third for the Cardinals. Eric? Just so we all end on a positive note, Cardinals, baby. <laughs> and you guys all end on a correct answer, but it doesn't matter. Our winner, Toby. Toby, um, what's your 10, your 10 seconds? Do you want to thank anybody? Do you want to uh, shout anybody out? Uh, there's so many people I want to thank. Um, you know, first of all, I want to thank, um, I don't want to thank my wife for putting up with all of the working out that I've been doing, uh, the long hours, the early mornings. Um, I haven't watched the kids in a couple months, but it feels like it's all been worth it. Um, I also want to thank JT Realmuto. Um, without him, I don't know where I would be. Um, I just want to thank you guys, you know, um, for sticking with me and inviting me back a second time to give me this opportunity. Um, it's really something that, um, you know, a lot of people have waited a lifetime for and to have this second opportunity, the second bite at the apple uh, is just something that I really uh, appreciate. And then finally, um, I couldn't have done this without the music of Chuck Nasty and the Ginger Boys, guys. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. The, uh, the, the, like, the emotion and the, the focus that I get out of their music um, is really what spurred me to victory. So um, you guys are the best and, and thank you. And thank you everybody out there in the audience and who's listening. Uh, for, it means the world. I wish I had that like applause button thing I could just play just to show it. But mm-hmm. man, as you know, man, like you honestly, like just being real for a second, like it's, it's just a real pleasure having you on. You're truly like one of the, the, best guys we've had on this show and it was easy for us to want to have you come back on you're such a great obviously you're a great baseball mind but you're an even better person so we we are grace and, and and honored to have you back on here and i know i i speak for both of them and we can't thank you enough for coming down the show yeah of course i mean it's a pleasure i've had an absolute blast i mean uh, i haven't laughed as much on on a podcast both of the times i've been on so uh, this has been a, a real joy and you guys do great work and, and uh, I'm honored to come on. And if you want to have me back and have me win again, you know, you know, you just let me know the date and time and, and I would <laughs> really, uh, uh, totally appreciate it. Um, it. It's awesome to be here. You, you guys are awesome. And, and thank you. And thank the, you, man. And, and again, people, oh, go ahead, Art. I was going to say in the future when sure. things are normal, We'll need a s'mores night listening to Chuck Nasty and the Ginger Mountain Boys in the background. For sure. For sure. Um, you know, uh, yeah, when everything's regular, man, you guys should go to like First Pitch Arizona or something like that, that Baseball HQ does, if you can, or one of those get-togethers or NFBC or something like that. That would be great to to all hang out. But yeah, you know, we'll, we'll come up with that image. I think we can get that image mm-hmm. um, of Chuck, Mountain, Chuck Nasty and the Mountain Boys. I think Twitter's going to come through for us. And we'll tag them in it, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a thing for sure. So it's gonna be great. I, and we're gonna I'm down for the HQ Arizona, and we all have to wear the shirts to HQ Arizona when we get them made. Absolutely, dude. We're gonna get the photoshopped image of them on our shirts with Chuck Nasty and the Mountain Boys. Like, okay, what I'm thinking is whatever the image is with the mountain with a mountain in the background. Yeah. It's like, um, kind of like, uh, like kind of motorcycle, like steel letters across the top, like Chuck nasty and the mountain boys or something like that. Like I'm visualizing this already. 
and we're going to make mm-hmm. it happen. And let me tell you something, like it's going to become a bestseller pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. I mean, we got to um, think big. We got to think like those Boston, the guys who sold the F Jeter shirts outside of the Boston games. <laughs> those dudes made, they would make like a thousand bucks a night selling F Jeter shirts each, each. We got big things. We got, we got places to go with this. Oh man. I, I was in Boston during that time. I was in Boston when the rivalry was at its peak, like from 2000 to 2009, I lived in Boston and man, the, the, the racket that was that t-shirt market was just insane. Like I remember like, just like the guys who were peddling it, but there were guys who were like the peddlers of the t-shirt. And then if other guys stepped into their turf, it was like game on, like very gnarly. It was kind of like, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was a tough game for sure. There's a oh, really man. good ESPN. I think it's on YouTube. There's like a 15 minute ESPN documentary about those t-shirt boys. Really, It's really good. Yeah. You, I think it's on YouTube. You should check it out. So we're oh, next. Feel, we're next. That's what we're aiming for then. A 15 minute documentary about us and the making of these shirts. Exactly. And I mean, then we had, like, like the words Chuck Mountain and Chuck Nasty and the Mountain Boys coming out, and then it like fades away to um, Chuck Nasty, you know, Chuck uh, Charlie Blackman on his Georgia farm, you know, mm-hmm. like an interview style, like, you know, you know, on those road trips, like it can get like really lonely. It's really helpful to have another group of people that you identify with. And then it's like, you know, Justin Turner's like, you know, it's like I heard Chuck Nasty singing those lyrics and I knew that like my fiddle was perfect. Like, a perfect <laughs> And then it's like, and you got like Matt Carpenter who's like, I always wanted my beard to grow above my lip line, but it never did. <laughs> and then I saw Chuck Nasty and I saw Justin Turner and I was like, you want to know something? I can be part of something bigger that gets me there. And then you have like, uh, who was the last guy? <laughs> oh, Dallas Keuchel. Dallas yeah. Keuchel. Like, it's like, you know, like I might not be able to throw 90 anymore, but <laughs> I can pick a fiddle, you know? So we're doing this. It's going to be great. We're going to put it all together. It's going to be genius. Oh, this is going to be I, epic. I, I ask all of you to look at Charlie Blackman's Instagram because there's plenty of gold there. <laughs> all in. Oh, man. We... Mm. All right, we need we need Twitter to make this happen. I found a career, guys. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, everybody listening, make sure you follow him at Batflip Crazy, my favorite guy on Twitter. Go check him out. All his awesome stuff. Until next time, because again, now that you're six percent of our episodes in front of the pod, now you have to come back if we ask you. For sure, round it up to a hundred percent. That's how I do it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and maybe maybe down the road, maybe like you know, uh, we'll be like every month check in, check in with Toby. Toby, how's <laughs> we'll do like a JT Real Muto segment for sure. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. It's great having you on again. Mm-hmm.